welcome. You've got mail. Happy New Year, one and all. And if you're listening to this in July, it's not my fault that I said Happy New Year. Usually I only allow three days for this, but hey, we're recording it in the proper window. Welcome to TechStream, everyone. I'm Seth Everett. He is the CEO of the Palmer Group, Shelly Palmer. Shelly, I know that you were right in the midst of Times Square for the ball drop. I can just see, I, you know, I saw the footage and I saw you hanging from a building. You know, I've lived in New York City forever. And I have, it has never even occurred to me. Never even talked on you. Ne- never occurred to me to visit Times Square on New Year's <laughs> Eve. But thank you for asking. What I did love was Anderson Cooper uh, and Andy Cohen. I just, oh. they were so drunk by midnight. <laughs> and I think it's the only time of the year that CNN allows their their anchors to be completely blotto on air. I mean, at least to, to my knowledge, you know, they <laughs> considering the news coverage, I'm not sure, but no, I mean, that was, it was really, those guys are funny. And uh, oh, yeah, we well, happy such New Year's different Eve. New Year's Eve. It was, yeah, you know, I was surprised that the city was so, um, I don't even know the word, cautious mm. outside, right? I mean, that this must really have been. And it was 50 degrees too. Yeah, this must really be something that we don't understand with uh, Omicron because I mostly when you're outside, you're good because of the inverse square law. But I guess not. Guess not. Um, Yeah, we had very different New Year's Eves. Uh, My New Year's Eve, well, first of all, my family couldn't get home from Florida because they had two flights canceled. Um, We could could do a whole podcast on what's going on with the the airline industry, but I don't want to put people to sleep. Um, I saw the season premiere of Cobra Kai and was asleep by 10.15. Anderson Cooper was not even remotely in my peripheral vision. Uh, I didn't consider I, I didn't consider that or the, the Seacrest guy or any of those. I, I didn't see any of that. Well, to be to be honest, Seth, I only watched from 1155 to <laughs> and I chose CNN because I love Anderson Cooper. I think he's just an amazing broadcaster. Um, my New Year's Eve was as as unusual as yours in that my wife and I uh, made some dinner. Uh, some of our children and grandchildren came over because they live close by at our, our house in Vermont and um, we had some hors d'oeuvres and then my wife and I made dinner uh, they went home to their house to do what they were going to do. And after dinner, we sat down to watch Matrix Resurrections. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't make it all the way through. <laughs> it just fell asleep. That was that. <laughs> yeah, I, nothing about that ever appealed to me. I, I wasn't interested. I saw The Matrix once. It didn't really do much for me. Well, the original um, Matrix was was groundbreaking in many, many ways. I don't know that the sequels and the, the, the storyline uh, did the original justice. The original had so many interesting film techniques. And, so, and it was kind of, an, yeah, uh, the premise sure. is fascinating. You know, um, I didn't mind the premise of Matrix Resurrections and I was hoping it was going to be a lot better. Uh, Keno Reeves, God bless him. He shouldn't be fighting on film right now. I. <laughs> you just shouldn't. I mean, you got to know at a certain time when to stop doing, you know, that. And anyway, I know everybody's going to yell at me and hate and be like haters are going to get me now because I like spoke ill of Matrix 
resurrections. But I, to be fair and frank, fell asleep in the middle of it and did not have any uh, yeah. desire to go back and watch what I missed. I was dozing on and off. And then I, you know, I woke up for 10 seconds to watch, you know, the ball oh, drop. Right. And so here we are. It's 2022. 22. And that's awesome because I don't know what that arbitrary line is from December 31st to January 1st, as if as if one more trip around the sun is going to mean anything. But for whatever reason, that psychological window of, hey, it's new, it's now, it's exciting. It like we have a blank slate, maybe. Um, yay. I mean, <laughs> I'm excited to be to be not in 2021, which although sure. we embarrassingly had a great year uh so many of my friends and so many people i love had such a hard time in in 2021 and let's just hope for a better 2022 maybe we'll see sure. the end of covid and uh you know return to some level of the new normal whatever that it's almost cliche to say the new normal but whatever that is it's got to happen this year i mean by the summer if this isn't done i don't know yeah we would you would you would think one uh, uh caveat before we get into ces which is why people have subscribe to the, the, the this episode um last week uh an nfl icon uh passed away a lot of people passed away betty white passed away um an icon in her own right uh but john madden passed away and why i wanted to bring it up on tech stream is there's three caveats to john madden's legacy his coaching career uh his broadcasting career but then he lent his name and his likeness to a video game in the early 90s um, the EA, EA sports was a fledgling company. It just started and Madden creating Madden football revolutionized the video game industry. And it wasn't just that he lent his name. He wasn't said that you could put the Madden imprint on it and not have any input. He insisted on 11 on 11. He insisted on some level of authenticity. This is when they were doing eight bit technology. Um, the Madden video game revolutionized all video games, not just sports. And I don't think we have the video game industry where we have it at the level that it is without John Madden. And I, 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 I give that game that much credence. So I got my first copy of John Madden football for my Apple II Plus computer really? in 1988. I yeah. remember it so vividly. Um, yeah, that was, and it was just the most unbelievable experience back then. And they really, uh, it was, um, it was something to behold EA. I think you're right. I think it definitely made EA what they are today. Uh, just, just an extraordinary, extraordinary transition from, uh, you know, back in the day, as you remember, Seth, it was, uh, Pac-Man pole position, asteroids, Donkey space Kong. invaders, yeah, Cuber. Donkey Kong, um, Super Mario, you know, Mario, Mario Brothers. It was that was great stuff. But I got to tell you, yeah, Madden football, Madden football. That was just that was a thing. And John Madden was such a wonderful, wonderful guy. I don't think they expected him. I think the the lore goes that they expected the endorsement. They didn't expect the participation. And right. certainly his participation in the game made it realer, if that's a word. Mm -hmm. And uh you know, go back through the years, NFL 2000, Madden, NFL 2001, 2002, three, four. Yeah. I mean, every year they just, they just brought it out and kept bringing it out. Oh my goodness. There's so much fun. And I think, you know, what was, I loved about that game personally in a way that maybe um, other people relate to 
is that as my sons uh, came of age, they became little football fans too. And as kids, they were born into the video game, you know, era. Yeah. And it's something we could do together. And then, of course, they took it to their own level because at a certain point, you know, I was, I was eclipsed by their, their capability sets, if you will. But wow. super fun. And may he rest in peace. What an amazing individual and uh, just a big influence on tech. Yeah, I, I would say on the way we consume enter- technology-based entertainment, which I think is basically all entertainment at this point. Yeah, he'll be sorely missed. What a, what a great guy. What a great game. And and uh, well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you how the, the, the video game uh, helped establish my career. Um, when I got the first NFL job, I was 23 years old. I was the beat reporter for the Denver Broncos. And at the time, their quarterback was John Elway. He was 37. I was 23. So as much as he was nice to me, he didn't. He, I was a kid to him. And I was scared out of my mind. I, I, I remember it vividly. Uh, any interview I got was a scrum. I never got a one-on-one for the first six weeks of the season. And then on week seven, I overheard two players, this guy, Alfred Williams. He was a lineman. Now he's a broadcaster. Uh, Alfred Williams was talking about Madden 97. And I went over to them and I was shaking, shaking. And I said, excuse me, were you guys talking about Madden, the video game? And they were like, yeah, you play the video game. And I was like, yeah, I play the video game. And we developed a friendship to which the Denver Broncos that year started a league. We were on dial up Internet. Wow. Madden, you in Madden 97, you could dial up the your opponent's computer and the yeah. modems talk to each other. And that's how you played the game. And Alfred Williams, Tyrone Braxton, a bunch of the Bronco players, front office people, other media people got involved. We had a whole league. And the only reason why our championship got delayed was because the Denver Broncos made the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. And ironically, what led to getting the the introduction to the folks in Seattle was I was invited by the guys in the Madden League to uh, go on the float for the Broncos Super Bowl parade. So I was I was 23. I think I turned 24 by this point. And I the Madden game brought my career to a, a, a forefront. I was I, I was comfortable talking to players. I've interviewed, you know, hundreds of athletes since then, but I was scared out of my mind. And the confidence came from taking a shot. And it was the Madden football game. Wow. That's amazing. By the way, for context, you're talking about Madden 98. 97, 98, 98, 96, 97, 98. We had it for the PC and we, you would have your computer and through the Madden game, you could, you needed the home phone number of the person you were playing. Of course. And you had to dial into their computer. Once their computers connected, you could play a game. Yeah. Those were the, those are the days. Those, those were the days that was, by the way, they were still releasing. They may still be for all I know. They were, they were releasing on Game Boy back then. They were. Oh yeah. I, I mean, that's, you know, Yeah. It was incredible. It was, uh, you know, what a good run and it, what a good run. And John Madden, rest in peace. We, we will miss you desperately. Uh, what a tremendous contribution. Yeah. People were saying this is not a knock on any of the current analysts. Nobody was like him. Nobody was, was like was, was like him. anyway. Um, CES uh, CES has touted uh, that they are starting. You know, as you're listening to this, CES is getting underway and it's happening. Um, they are claiming 
that over 2,200 uh, companies are still going. Uh, CES announced that they were going to shorten the in-person experience by one day instead of going till Saturday, January 8th. It's going to close on January 7th as a safety measure. I don't know how that makes it safer. Um, but the show will run from January 5th to January 7th. You were planning on being there. Hmm. You're not now. No. Uh, how is it going to change A for you, B for the experience? Well, that's a lot. So as everyone knows who's following this, it's not how many companies are going to be at CES. It's who's not showing up. And GM, Google, Microsoft, AMD, OnePlus, MSI, Lenovo, Intel, Timo, uh, AT&T, Meta, formerly Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, P&G, Mercedes, Beamer, uh, Panasonic, IBM, TikTok, Pinterest, all took a powder this year. And most of the, most of the press, uh, TechCrunch, and Engadget, Verge. CNET. Yeah, uh, Tom's Guy, TechRadar, PCMag. They've all just opted out. And, and so it's not about who's going to be there. It's who's not going to be there. And then you got to ask yourself, you know, is there a reason to do an in-person event? I'm going to leave that to the why, why they decided to uh, do an in-person event, considering what's going on with Omicron. Uh, I don't know. We would have flown out. We're recording today on January 2nd. This was normally be the day that I would fly out to see us. Actually, I would have flown out yesterday. 2,500 flights were canceled yesterday, including the flights that we had booked. All the flights we had booked. Uh, we have, you were pretty expert in booking flights. Uh, I just checked the numbers, the flight numbers against everybody's tickets. All gone. We couldn't have gotten there anyway. So there's that. Uh, and, you know, we need, so it's just one of those things. Whether it's in person or, or live, uh, what's important about CES is still important about CES. And, and that is that you get a, a glimpse into the future. It's going to be harder this year because what gives you a glimpse into the future, why CES in person is so valuable, is that big companies and small ones all come and put their best foot forward. In a trade show, you buy a booth. Part of, this, uh, of the presentation of your organization is the size of the install, the events you're putting on, the quality of the people you're bringing, of course, the quality of your technology. But if you're walking the floor of a trade show the size of CES, which is generally a couple million square feet with 4,100 exhibitors, um, and, and you're walking through, call it South Hall, and there are a bunch of little booths, but with one little booth, there's 70 people trying to get to it. And then every booth around it has three people in it. It's pretty obvious at a visceral level, something exciting is going on there. What, you know, it's just like, what's happening? Why, why are all these people concentrated in this small area in what should be a non-important non place? And this happens serendipitously. You're, you know, you're walking around. By the end of the first day of kind of previews before the show opens, where you're walking backstage with your backstage pass, your exhibitor credentials, 
and you're talking to all your friends, hey, have you seen this? Hey, have you seen that? I mean, that that excitement that, you know, oh, I don't know what's underneath that cloth at Mercedes Benz, but it's going to be unbelievable. Like that's the new blah, blah. And none of that's happening because you're not there and because the exhibitors aren't there. So what we're going to have is a lot of press releases and we're going to have a lot of information, but we're not going to have the visceral understanding of who's who and what's what. And I think that's a big loss. That's the beauty of going in person. Mm -hmm. We can't go in person this year. We've made a decision as a company that it's not safe for our team and it's not safe for our clients. So we're just not going to do it. And I appreciate that other people are going to do it. I don't have a attitude about that one way or the other. This is a decision that was right for the Palmer group, but what we do is two things. One, on January 5th, we will have the Shelley Palmer Innovation Series Summit. It's 11 a.m. Eastern, shellypalmer.com slash live. You don't need any credentials. You don't need any permission. It's going to be a stream on YouTube. So shellypalmer.com slash live. We will have an incredible lineup. We've got Stephanie Latham from Meta, and she is a uh, very high-ranking executive at Facebook. Uh, is it going to be her or her avatar? <laughs> so we're going to have Stephanie Latham, who's Meta's head of entertainment technology and mobile and connectivity. And I've asked her some really hard questions, Seth. I mean, you know, we, Seth, the, the Facebook has been in the news a lot. So I'm going right after her about, you know, is Facebook hurting kids is instagram is whatsapp like are we are are you guys harming young people i'm going to ask her flat out i'm going to ask her flat out does meta formerly facebook put profit over safety and then my other question once we get past all the sort of like hey are you guys destroying the universe we're going to ask flat out why would i want mark zuckerberg controlling the metaverse like why? So we have some hard questions for Meta, Stephanie Latham at Meta. Then we're very lucky. We've got Michelle Crossan, who is the chief marketing officer of Samsung Electronics America. And, you know, they're one of the largest equipment manufacturers in the world. They make all kinds of stuff from phones to turbines and, you know, to power electric generators, giant, giant company. Uh, but what's interesting to me about Samsung is they seem to have anticipated in a way that is almost uncanny, what kind of tech we were going to need those last couple of years. And they've put it out at a lot of different price points. And I'm fascinated by that. Also, I'm fascinated by how committed they've been to their sustainability purpose mission, considering all of the pressures on all companies and supply chain, how they've stayed true to that is fascinating to me. So I'm going to talk to Michelle a little bit about that. And then I'm really interested in how Samsung sees the future because if any company has, as maybe Apple has as you know, a bigger impact, maybe from a fashion accessory kind of way where you buy an Apple device because it shows some status and it's got amazing capabilities to be sure. But Samsung is a, sells more phones, they sell more gear, and they sell internationally in a way that Apple doesn't. And so to understand the world and the technology capabilities across the whole planet, there is no company more interesting to watch than Samsung with respect to what kind of smartphones, what are those capabilities, what's 5G look like, how are people empowered, what's happening in given marketplaces, what are we likely to see? So I'm very excited to talk to Michelle Crossan, who is the chief marketing officer at Samsung Electronics America. We're also going to have 
another super interesting guest, Molly Spillman. She's the chief revenue officer at Oracle Advertising and Marketing Cloud. And ordinarily, you'd say, oh, wow, chief revenue officer. That's, that doesn't sound that exciting. Uh, I don't want to get sold anything. And she's not. I promise you're going to sell anything. We're not going to. That's not what that's about. What Oracle Marketing Cloud is doing right now, their marketing advertising cloud, I think is fascinating. You know, Seth, we've talked about this a lot. Cord cutting, crazy. Streaming everywhere, right? I mean, we're talking about, you know, the different way of bots, viewability, fraud, like how different the TV business is right now. Oracle. Their DNA is engineering and data management, like they're a database company. And they've got this really interesting group of companies they've bought over the last, I don't know, four or five years, where the, the, the Moat and Grapeshot and Eloqua and a bunch of others, and they put them all together in this fascinating uh, suite of programs. And it's almost like history and Oracle are meeting each other, which is why I asked her to come and talk and not sell me anything, but tell me a little bit about what is it like to measure now that you and I don't view TV the same way, right? Nielsen has sort of gotten decertified and there's crazy stuff going on with measurement. What are brands supposed to be doing right now? And what are, what are they hearing at Oracle? And what I like about, uh, and what I asked uh, Molly to come what, to, to, to speak with me is I'm really interested in understanding what an engineering company, a, a data science company at its core how that will, how an Oracle approaches this, as opposed to how someone who says they're in the TV measurement business, you know, or, or uh, media measurement business would handle it. Then we're going to have uh, on the innovation series summit, which again, shellypalmer.com slash live is where you can see it January 5th on the. Um, All these guests are on one show. Yeah. One show. It's going to be one. And by the way, it's just, we're going to try to keep it to an hour as best we can. Um, there's a, there's a, company I'm fascinated by also called Advanced Human Imaging. And you and I have talked a lot about smartphone capability and what's going on with, uh, you know, medical grade sensors and how the world is changing. You know, if there are like 7 billion plus people on the earth, and if everybody who wanted to be a doctor became a doctor, there couldn't possibly be enough doctors. And so you look to your smartphones and you say, well, what, what capabilities do we have? There's this company that I'm really excited about called Advanced Human Imaging. We're going to have their CEO, Vlado Basanak, on the Innovation Series Summit. And he and I are going to talk about how a selfie basically could save your life. They've created this business-to-business -to -business tool set that allows your phone to look at everything from your uh, oxygenation levels, like your pulse ox, all the way to looking at potential future disease states just by taking a picture of yourself with your current technology smartphone. And while they don't make the software that would do that, they make the measurement tools that would allow, you know, medical grade uh, organization to, to build an app like that, or actually their, their sensors are so interesting. You probably could make an app that um, would tell you what size clothes you should be wearing. Uh, you know, are you a large and extra large or something in the middle, but it's really fascinating. And I just love the way that they're applying uh, software, to what I guess would, I would call extraordinary use of ordinary technology. And they're doing it B2B so that you can build off it. And so anybody who wants to go build stuff, now you have a measurement as a service tool using all of the features of a smartphone. And, you know, and then we're going to close it. We have a bunch of real interesting announcements. Oh, I did one. There's one other guest that I, I want to talk about real quick, sure. which is uh, Jacob, Jacob Cantelli is the lead of operations at MetaMask. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, my MetaMask got hacked mm -hmm. and I was really sad about it. 
and mm -hmm. I lost about four hundred dollars worth of ETH, and I couldn't figure out what I did wrong. Sad. I thought angry was more the word. Yeah, I was angry and sad, mostly because I to this day haven't figured out what I did to cause it, and I'm assuming it's a mistake that I made. But one of the silver linings to that was I got an opportunity to talk to the people at MetaMask. And the person that I spoke to first was Jacob Cantelli, who's the lead of operations at MetaMask. And he took me through the most interesting journey with trying to forensically understand how my MetaMask got hacked. But in the process, he also taught me a great deal that I honestly didn't know about the proper way to set up any digital wallet, what the value of a hardware wallet is where MetaMask fits in as a gateway to Web3, as a gateway to digital asset storage. And so I thought it would be awesome. And he agreed to come to the Innovation Series Summit oh, that's awesome. and, and talk a little bit about that. So we've got that too. And then, you know, look, we're going to do our online tech briefings. And, and uh, you know, you asked what we're doing instead of going to CES. We do this online tour, if you will. Um, I actually think it's way awesomer than being at CES, Seth, because you could have unlimited attendance. We can cover it you know, more deeply. We can impart more information. And of course, all our clients can replay and repurpose the videos when they're done. So as far as you know, good value and, and good information and understanding the future, I feel like our clients are going to do just fine. We're going to do just fine. I'm so sad that we can't go in person but we can't. And so we're going to make, not only are we making the best of it, I, I actually think we have a fantastic lineup of products and services. I'm excited about the Innovation Series Summit. I know this is audio. So one more time, it's shellypalmer.com slash live, January 5th, 11 a.m. Eastern. That's free for everybody. Just go there and, and enjoy. And then if you've got a company and you're thinking about what it would have been like to be at CES this year and what's new, what's next, and what it means for your business, you can go to ShellyPalmer.com. Actually, you can go to CES.ShellyPalmer.com and learn all about it. And that's all the promoing I'm going to do about CES. <laughs> but that's a, that's the hardest core sales pitch I think we've ever done on the show. But it's a unique time and a unique year. No, it's and it's going to be a, a wonderful show. I'll be there uh, watching it, and uh, we'll see. And um, you know, you mentioned the cord cutting and, you know, one of the big things that we've talked about on this show about cord cutting, I learned this uh, recently and it's just a little caveat. Um, the rumor about NFL Sunday ticket. And remember we talked about Apple and Amazon and ESPN and, you know, when Warner and discovery have their merger and do they make a play for Sunday ticket and the throngs of people that will leave. I, 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 you know, we've talked about this on this show, you know, there's this two to three second lag, you know, when you're streaming games, you know, sure. when, you, when you're, you, but when you're at your house, you don't notice it. And to be honest with you, I don't really, really care. Once in a while, I'll get an alert on my phone before a goal is scored, you yes. know, like you'll, you'll see it. Well, in sports bars, they can't have that. And the rumor is, is that direct TV will retain Sunday ticket but not its exclusivity that a streaming service will get involved, but direct TV because the sports bars need, this is their livelihood. Yeah. And they need the real time and that direct TV is not dead yet. And I, I just, when you, when you have that conversation, just have that in the back of your mind about it's, it, you know, yes, we're all saying it's the demise of cable. It's not going to be that fast. So there's a lot packed into there. NFL Sunday Ticket, I think, only has roughly 2 million subscribers. Correct. 
And it's, we keep saying, we always glom cable and satellite together, always. We shouldn't, because the satellite audience, although in some cases, they are in areas where there is cable available and they've just opted for satellite because they want Sunday ticket or they have some other reason right. that they feel that cable is not right for them, assuming cable is available. Most of the time when you are a satellite subscriber, it's because cable isn't available. And if you're a sports bar where you may or may not have internet connectivity right. or very good internet connectivity, right. the idea, you know, you, you could have you could be screwed. 25 down and, and six up yep. and you're not going to be able to stream all night on a bunch of televisions for seven hours. Right. You know, it's just, that's uh, putting a lot of strain on your internet, especially if you're using it to do commerce of any kind. If you, you know, if you're connecting your, um, credit card processing or, yeah, but if you take their exclusivity i still think of those two million people that subscribe at least a million are cutting the cord at least if not 1.5 look it's it's not it's not not gonna hurt direct tv it is gonna hurt direct tv but it's not gonna put a wooden stake through their heart right right yeah. any more by the way than normal cord cutting is again in a weird way satellite until skylink is you know ubiquitous and even when it is it may not be affordable to everyone satellite offers convenience and it also if you've got line of sight to the satellite from your small little dish with a small dish you know in the corner of your roof yep you you, you can get a wide range of entertainment that to a lot of people can't get any other way we're seeing a lot of cord cutting where you can cut the cord, but that requires a robust internet connection. And people forget that. I've had a lot of people write to me and say, thank you for saying I needed X amount of bandwidth before I cut the cord because I didn't believe you. It was offered. I didn't want to spend the money. I got, I cut the cord. I had 25 megabits down and four megabits up. And it just, we couldn't, kids couldn't do homework and do online schooling. And I couldn't watch TV the way I normally watch TV, which is, you know, a lot of people watch television stuff. They turn the TV on for background noise. It's yep. keeps them company in the kitchen or in the you know family room or whatever. You, you just, they just turn it on and leave it on as something to have on. You got two kids trying to do online learning or, or someone's on a zoom using the home office, uh, you know, cause they have to work from home and you don't have enough bandwidth, you, you can't do that. And their cable television or satellite television solves that problem for you in a way that, and, and by the way, more cheaply at this point, because it's bandwidth plus the package. So it's, I'm not no, saying- it's a complicated thing. It, I'm it, not saying this is going on forever. There's definitely going to come a time. I think when the 5G network is completed to the level that it's fully completed, you're going to see inner city and- densely packed suburban areas go on a cord cutting spree, which actually will be really appreciated by the phone companies because the whole reason for 5G is so that they don't have to go into your house. Right. They don't want to prevent, they don't literally do not want to send a truck into your house. They'd much rather you plug your thing into the wall, connect to the 5G network and just buy a subscription, just pay, pay monthly for the bandwidth. That would be there. That's a Verizon or an AT&T fantasy if you can do it. Right. So they're looking forward to that. The rest of us, we're just going to, 
I think we're just going to be highly inconvenienced for the flexibility we're asking for. I don't know about you, but I've got a whole bunch of apps and I forgot where the matrix, you know, was going to be. And it took me, I go to Google, like, where is this thing? I'm like, wow. I mean, come on, seriously. Now, had I been in my regular viewing environment, I could have asked uh, Alexa about it, but I wasn't in my regular. Sorry, I don't have an answer for that. Yes, I understand she doesn't, but <laughs> and I shouldn't call her a she. It's an it. I anthropomorphize Alexa in a way I shouldn't, yes. but I, I was not in my normal viewing environment where I could ask about it. So yeah, craziness. Anyway, uh, yeah, you're right. Sunday ticket. It's going to be very interesting. And sports bars, I can't wait to go back to a sports bar. I can't wait. <laughs> all right. Uh, have a great week at CES. First of all, if you're there, let us know. Uh, if you're watching it online, let us know. Uh, if your plans were dramatically changed, let us know. We want to hear from you. Uh, he's Shelly Palmer. I'm Seth Everett. This has been the first edition of TechStream for 2022. We're already off to a flying start. Here's to a great year, everyone.